Good morning. Are you thankful for the love of God? And in those hard moments that God's love never gives up, He'll always be there for us. And there are moments in our lives as we do our day to day and we begin to grind, sometimes we can feel like God's love is not there. If you're there this morning, this sermon will speak to your heart and hopefully help you to draw closer to the Lord. Let me pray and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We just thank you that you've bent your ear down and listened to the worship that was offered up to you this morning. And God, I pray at this moment that you would collect the hearts and minds of those who, are, who have pain and suffering and those who have gone through um, hard seasons of doubt. And God, I pray that you would draw them in close by the power of the Holy Spirit this morning. I pray that your word would be sharp for us today. I pray that we would lean in and, God, we would apply the things that we are listening and hearing from you. We love you so very much, and in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the Mark series, and I don't know if, about you, but I like the book of Mark. And when I was in Bible college, uh, before I graduated out of my last year, there's a passage in the back of Mark, and it talks about this young boy who was there when Jesus was arrested. And this young boy ran, was grabbed by a guard, and he ran off into the woods naked. I had to write a paper, a 20-page paper on who was that boy. Commentators believe that that boy was Mark, and he grew up and wrote the gospel of Mark. And today, as we go through, we're going to come to a section where Mark wants the, the readers of his gospel to know and understand the power of God during difficult times. You may have heard this sentence or the phrase, desperate times call for desperate measures, but I would say desperate times, they call for divine measures. In God's word, we see that God's honesty about life in this broken world is a welcome to each of us to just be honest. In fact, an entire book of the Bible, Psalms, if you open up to Psalms, is a script of the honest cries of God's people. Cries of confusion and doubt and fear in the midst of the, the most painful trials of life. And I've been in ministry for close to 16 years, and I've know, I know in a, a group this size that people are battling. They're battling with sickness, they're battling with doubt, they're battling with confusion, and God's word speaks to that today. And one thing I love about God and his word, even including in the book of Psalms, his people crying out, God never reprimands us for being afraid. He never mocks us in our weakness. He never minimizes what we're going through. He never turns his back on us when we wonder what he's doing or why we're facing the things that we are facing. Not only can the Lord handle every bit of your honesty but his word is a welcome to be honest. This morning as I stand here, I'm going to be talking about suffering, pain, sickness, something that is very real to my life. And I think the greatest challenge to my faith has been trusting God in the midst of confusion. When things hurt so much that you don't know what to pray. When hurt is just gripping your life. trying to understand sickness from a personal point of view while holding a, a strong front for others so that they would be encouraged. I know many people in this room are doing that. They put in a smile when they come to church, but in their heart, they're hurting. I know from personal experience that that is exhausting, trying to smile through the pain. I've had moments where I've fallen to my knees in sure mental exhaustion, crying out to the Lord, pleading with him for relief. And in those moments, silence. I would ask questions like, where are you, God? God, you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Why are you not coming quicker to my aid? God, why are you not helping me? Brothers and sisters, if you have found yourself in that place lately, if your faith is low, if, the, if doubt is beginning to take up residence in your heart, be honest this morning. I pray and I challenge you to lean in 
and pray because I believe the Bible will help us today. Father, we need your help to make right of the situations that we go through. Even from the baptismal point this morning, we heard the testimony of when things aren't working out, when sickness happens and you take people out of our lives, God, there can be confusion, our faith can be low. But God, we know by your word that you, you will never leave us or forsake us. We are singing about that great truth this morning. And God, I pray that you would begin to minister your holy, holy word and your powerful spirit upon us today. That we would not leave here doubting that we would have full faith and trust in you. I ask that you would do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 5, 21 through verse 43, where Mark will establish the great I am is greater than disease and sickness. And this morning as we begin, I will read all 22 verses. I will talk about the passage in greater detail with application as we go through. I'll have a wrap-up at the end. We will seek the Lord together in a faith-filled prayer, and then we will sing about the mysteries of God. Are you ready? Oh, I'm excited this morning. This is going to be good. Why don't you turn to the book of Mark? And as you turn to the book of Mark, let me set up the passage with some systematic theology. In the beginning, when Adam was with God, sickness and death did not exist. Adam was in a perfect state with God. I love reading in the beginning that he walked with God in the cool of the air. There was this relationship that he had. But when Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they turned from God, this is sin, they turned in disobedience. And the Bible records to us that through one man's sin, the whole race fell. So anyone born after Adam and Eve, including their kids, would be born with a bent towards sin. In systematic theology, we would call that Adamic depravity. We are in great trouble. Our souls are sick and they're, need, they're in need of a cure. And we think about this, there is no human remedy for our soul sickness. There, are, there is no human doctor that we could go to to help with this situation. There is no company that can manufacture a drug to help us. But in our pride, we continue to look for ways to fix our broken soul outside of Jesus Christ. We put our hope in doctors and in medicine and in people. And we are heartbroken when we do not get the, the results we want. Disease and sickness are, and death are now a part of our lives because of sin. And all people have sin, as the Bible declares. So all people will experience the effects of sin, whether that is personal on your life or you'll walk with somebody in a season. Today we are going to read about two different people, a man and a woman who are in desperate need of help. You could need desperate help. You could be in need of desperate help this morning. And before I even read the passage, let me just say this. Jesus is the answer. If you, don't know, if you don't know that yet, you're going to hear that this morning. Jesus is the answer. Keep that in the back of your mind. Let's read the passage together. Starting 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet. And implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. Mark records, and he went with him. And a great crowd followed and thonged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather she grew worse. She had heard the reports of Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. After immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. 
And, just, and Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd is pressing around, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing she had what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter... Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And while he was speaking, there, was, there came from the ruler's house some, someone who said, Your daughter is, is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus says to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, but only believe. And he allowed no one to follow except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And, we had en and when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Wow. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him. He said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years old of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of God. May I add a blessing to the reading this morning. After healing the demon-possessed man that Pastor Kelvin talked about a few weeks ago, or Pastor Mark last week, Jesus and the disciples get back into the boat, and they go across the same lake where he calmed the storm. And Jesus lands back on the shore where he's met with a large crowd again. As the teacher is making his way from the boat, a synagogue leader approaches. Now, I just want to take a minute and talk about this leader. We want to talk about these characters that are in our stories. As you read the Bible, spend time asking questions about characters. Mark is setting this up so that we will know and understand about the power of the great I am. So we'll take a, a slow walk through each of the characters, talking application, talk about personal stories, and then I'll add some application at the end. So let's look at this leader. Well, the Bible records, or Mark records for us, that Jairus is his name. And please note, as you read the Gospel of Mark, Jairus is one of the few characters who is given a name beside the, besides the disciples. He is a synagogue leader, which means that he would be in charge of the temple. He would make sure that there were proper worship taking place. There would have been people serving at the temple. He would make sure that they were doing the right things and making sure that they were following protocol and law. When I was reading this, I thought of Pastor Steve. <laughs> Pastor Steve would be like our synagogue leader when it comes to the staff, he leads the worship. He makes sure the pastors are, are doing what they're supposed to, do, to be doing. So kind of like that. Jairus would have been managing and leading other people as he worked at the temple. He would have been known and liked in the community. People would have known who this guy was. Jairus was also a Jewish leader. But I also want to please remember, just put this seed in the back of your mind. It was the Jewish leaders that formulated a plan to falsely accuse Jesus. To turn him in, to have him arrested, to have him judged and have him beaten and killed. But in this story, we find a leader of the Jewish sect coming and speaking with Jesus. Mark records that Jairus was married and had a 12-year-old daughter. And Jairus would have had money for the story records when they arrived at the home. There were people making commotion and wailing. And back in that time, you could actually hire people to mourn with you and for you. They were actual professional wailers. Could you imagine calling up the funeral home and saying, you have any whalers this week? I really need some whalers, because I just don't think I could cry. So why is this important for us? Why do we need to take a, a moment and look at this character? Well, it's important to us because this was a man of God who worked for God, and he was well-liked, and he had resources, but still he came, and he fell at the feet of Jesus. And he asked Jesus if he would heal his 12-year-old daughter. Why is that so important? Because people sometimes in life think that God's people uh, get a special pass. 
See, your earthly status, your bank account, your popularity, your job title, that means nothing when it comes to the effects of sin. Sin is sin and it needs to be dealt with in a specific way. What you do and what you have means nothing. See, rich people, influential people, high-profile people, God's people, they get sick. They're not exempted from pain, hurt, confusion, and doubt. Personal moment for you right now. Have you ever experienced any of that as a Christian? Confusion, doubt, sickness, hurt, pain. Throw up your hand if you have. We're not exempted. Each of us need Jesus. And the story records that Jairus comes to Jesus and says, this is a tender moment. He says, my little daughter, my baby, this little girl that I've been growing up, she's so sick, Jesus. She's so sick that the Bible records that she's at the point of death. And when you translate that to the original language, it means that she had a terminal illness. He was coming to Jesus and said, my daughter is sick to the point of death and she will not recover. I'm coming to you. Will you help me? I don't know if you've ever heard that type of news presented to you. Three years ago, a doctor told me that my wife had stage three melanoma, and at that point, it was terminal. If you have received that kind of news, you know that that kind of news, that rocks your whole world. It shakes you to your very core. That kind of news opens up your chest and begins, it feels like someone is stabbing at your heart. Some people have said that they're, after receiving news, they felt like their dreams have been robbed, their plans and their goals for their life. And with this new season comes a new set of, a new set of emotion. This new season brings with it all kinds of panic and fear and doubt. But these are also seasons as we draw close to God where he will give us understanding. He will give us the power to overcome the fear. He will never leave us or forsake us. It's in these tender moments that he will train your heart to trust. Jairus set a perfect example for us as the church to follow. It says that Jairus came to Jesus and he fell at his feet. Forgetting about his status, forgetting about his bank account, forgetting about his earthly possessions and what people might see him, a man of God in the dirt. He didn't care. He comes with his face on the ground pleading to Jesus, will you please come quickly to my daughter? See, Jairus knows that Jesus has power and asks the great I am to come and lay his hands on her so that she will be made well and live. And Mark records that Jesus went with him. Jairus didn't make an appointment with one of the disciples. Hey, if Jesus is free on Wednesday, can he come on over? <laughs> Mark teaches us that Jesus hears us, he helps us, and he can heal us. When Jesus agrees to come with Jairus, Jairus I'm sure that hope begin, began to fill in his heart. Have you ever been in that point in your life where you, you're going through a battle or someone in your family is sick and you go to the doctor and they give you something and they're like, this is going to work? And you get excited that like, okay, things could change. I'm sure that's the, that's the moment, I, I believe that Jairus felt that. Like he talked to Jesus, he got on his face, he presented his case, and Jesus gets, brings him up and says, I will go with you. I can just see Jairus walking, trying to get through the crowds, trying to get to his daughter. He's leading the way home. He has the cure. Time is short. He has the cure. And as they walked, the people pushed in on Jesus, making the journey back harder. Only if these people would get out of the way. 
so Jesus could come and just get to my house and heal my daughter. I'm sure Jairus thought that. Let's go, Jesus. Let's go. Come on. Get out of the way. We are on a mission here. And Mark introduces character number two right at this point. Right, at, right when hope is at his, at his peak, right when Jesus is with Jairus, Mark introduces another character, a roadblock. Mark includes in the journey back to Jairus' house a disruption to Jairus' plan. See, this hindrance that would cause great pain. A woman who had a blood disease for 12 years. See, Mark recorded that this woman, she saw many physicians and it caused her great pain. She said that she would go and meet with these doctors and she would present her case to them. And then they would think about the case and they would prescribe certain things for her. And it said that it cost her money and she was spending all of her money, all of her time, all of her resources looking for a cure. But the, the word of God records that she got worse. She spent all her money looking for healing. I know many of us can understand statements like seeing the specialist and the specialist doing this scan or that scan, trying this medication and that medication, the heartache that sets in when your doctor says, we have a medicine, but you can't afford it. It's not covered. It's like right there, but you can't have it. Knowing full well you don't have enough money or resources, you deplete what you have for the future in investing cures because why save for the future when you're not going to be there to enjoy it? A lot of people think this way. This woman, she felt the effects of, of her disease on her life. The Bible records that she had this perpetual bleeding that was abnormal, which makes it serious for her. This woman who was bleeding all the time, this woman, her impurity is transmissible to others until she is cured. Anyone who would come in contact with her by lying beside her or touching her hands or touching her clothes or sitting beside her becomes unclean and by Levitical law was required to bath and launder their clothes her discharge of blood caused her to be a discharge from society because they put conditions on her, the same conditions as a leper who would scream out out front of the, out, out front of the city, I am not clean. See, the leper had to tell everybody that they weren't clean, but we don't hear that from this one. It's not recorded. Because she was living with this in secret. Because her disease caused her to be an outcast, she would not be able to come to church. She would not be able to be in crowds of people. She would not be able to, to just come around and shake hands and meet two people because what was going on in her life caused other people to be unclean by Levitical law. So she keeps it all as a secret. See, the Jewish leaders would have looked at the Talmud. It is a record of writings that they would refer to. And in the Talmud, there was not less than 11 cures for a disease like this. Dis cures like, when you pay your money, I will prescribe you to carry ashes of an ostrich egg. So ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen bag in the summer. But, oh, when it's winter time, you take all those ashes out and you put it in a cotton rag and you wrap that up and you put it on your person and that'll dry up the blood. So she would have done that. She would have got her linen and her cotton rag and she would have paid for the ashes of an ostrich egg and she would have she put that in there and, oh, it's summertime, it's hot out, get my linen and I'm going to have that on me. And maybe today, maybe today it will work. Or check this one out. I was, I was sharing this one with Pastor Kelvin this week. This was one of the remedies. She would carry a barley corn, so barley corn, that was found in the dung of a white female donkey. So she would actually have to pay someone or go look or a doctor would go find it. That They would find barley corn and it had to be a white female donkey. She would take that and she would carry that. 
This woman would have done all these things because she was sick. She was searching. She was still an outcast. She was broke. Nothing was working. But oh, one day, rumors began to go around the village. She's walking around in secret, battling this, trying all these remedies, trying all these things, wanting to be a part of society, wanting her life to be somewhat normal. She hears about the rumors of Jesus. The rumors of this man who, is a, who has come to town and he has power. She hears about that. Mark records these two characters and they're quite a contrast. A Jewish synagogue leader, a strong rich leader, and a weak broke woman. The lesson is they both need the great I am. Family, we need Jesus. We need him. And we need to go to him. I ask this question, are you in need of the great I am? Battling in secret? You sometimes fear the doctor's appointment, overwhelmed by fear when they say, we have the results. Paralyzed by the unknown when you sit in the little waiting room or the doctor's office. But are you like me too when they put you in that doctor's office and they make you sit on that little bed and your feet dangle? Like, that's so weird. And it's like the crinkly white paper. You're just sitting there all awkward and weird and in fear with your feet dangling. Like, I don't, I thought it was just me because I'm a small guy, but I've saw tall people. They sit, their feet don't touch. So it's, Great engineering to make us feel weird. <laughs> so we sit there and we wait for this news. The Bible does not record where this woman came from or where she, where she went. But she did hear the reports of Jesus. And as I was studying, one Bible translation says that she kept saying in thought, she heard about Jesus, and she kept saying to herself, she kept repeating it over and over again, if I could only touch his clothes, I would be healed. If I could only touch him, I know. I know the reports are true. I know that that man, if I could get close to that man, he could help me. He could heal me. And that day, as the boat was coming in, she saw Jesus. The day had come. She saw him getting off the boat. She probably even saw him with the interaction with Jairus. Well, Jairus was face down in the dirt. She watched from a distance, looking, waiting for the opportunity to get close to Jesus. That day, as the boat pulled in to the shore, she saw Jesus and she had it in her heart that she would be healed that day. She had it in her heart that she would go and she would touch him. So the woman followed closely, and when she saw her chance, she sneaked in and she touched the tassel of Jesus' robe. The woman's plan by Jewish law would have made all of the people she touched unclean. This was a risk. But she had faith in her heart, knowing if she could get to Jesus, that Jesus would do something about it. So she put other people at risk. She put that thought out of her mind. She dwelled on the faith moment, and she thought, Jesus is the only way. I have to get to him. No matter what's in the way, I have to get to Jesus. She had faith that moved her, propelled her. By Levitical law, this would have made the rabbi unclean. But this woman didn't care. She came in, she touched Jesus, and she was healed instantly. She felt her body change. It's the, the Bible records that the, the blood dried up. She tried to sneak away, but Jesus calls out to the crowd, who touched me? You can't steal healing from Jesus. You just can't do it. She tried to sneak away, but Jesus, with boldness, cries out, who touched me? I love I love watching the disciples. Like, what? They're always trying to like teach Jesus something. Like, <laughs> I feel like I do that a lot. I feel like I don't know much, but I, I act like I do. And I'd be like, Jesus, calm down. I got this. They're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? There's such a, a big crowd of people. Everybody's touching us. But somebody touched me with faith. 
hmm, different. Jesus calls out, who touched me? What boldness from this woman to be stealthy and try to steal a healing from the great I am. But you can't pull a fast one on Jesus. See, the great I am is greater than creation. He is greater than demonic. He is greater than disease, than disease and sickness and suffering. And Jesus calls out that day who touched me and says, for power went out from me. Jesus declaring that he is powerful. This should be a tip for us. We should be thinking about these things. We should be repeating to ourselves, today in my situation, Jesus is powerful. The great I am is greater than everything that I am facing. Who touched me? Jesus looks around to see. To look at the one bold enough to go and touch the rabbi, the God-man, the great I am. Who did it? With fear of being exposed to the crowds and trembling, thinking, what have I done? She falls down before him, and the Bible records that she tells the whole truth. The one who came in secret is now found on her face, telling Jesus the whole truth. But also, she's telling the crowds of people that she wanted to keep her disease a secret to. See, when we go before God, we can be honest to him. We can tell the truth of how we feel. He's a big God. He can take it. He's not going to get mad when we have a question. And we see this. And by Jewish law, Jairus should have stepped in. This was Jairus' chance to say, get out of the way. We're going to my house. He had an opportunity to say, okay, you had a blood disease. You're all affected. But that's not recorded. Actually, Jesus as the rabbi should have said that as well, based on Levitical law. But what does Jesus say in the word of God? He says, daughter. He calls her as one part of the family. He says, daughter, your faith, your what? Faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Because Jesus forced the issue of asking who touched me, the woman now leaves not only knowing that she is healed, what a tragedy that would be to just come in and sneak in and sneak out and go on and live your life. Like I used Jesus for what I needed, but Jesus doesn't work like that. See, Jesus calls to her. Jesus wants her leaving know that she's healed, that she is known by God, and that she is cared for. He calls her daughter. A stranger who sees a rabbi coming on the boat is now a part of the family of God because he calls her daughter. What a, what a moment. See, we don't know what happened to this woman after, but that's not a critical point that we need to know. Mark was trying to make sure that the readers of today know and understand that Jesus has power. Jesus is the great I am. He is the one that we need to go to. He's the one where we get on our knees and we ask, God, will you help me in this situation? What keeps us from driving forward to Jesus? Is it pride? Is it fear of what other people will think? What if Jesus wanted to meet with you this morning? You came in. You've been pleading with God for weeks. You've been asking God, asking God, will you intercede? Will you help me? Will you take this away? Will you add this thing in? And then you come in and then you walk out. When Jesus says, I've been... I've been listening to your prayer. Come and talk to me. Let's do this together. Come in with the family of God and open up your heart in honesty to me. Test and see that the Lord is good. While Jesus was speaking to the healed woman, bad news comes for Jairus. See, hope began to well up in his heart. I have Jesus, and Jesus is coming for my daughter. But this little disruption, this little interruption, bad news comes behind and says, your daughter has died. It's no use bothering the teacher. At that point, I, I felt for Jairus reading, reading in the Bible, reading in the scriptures as a dad. Like hearing, I can't imagine hearing that news. 
And I know that there are people in our midst that have heard that news before. But Jesus overhears the conversation. And he says the most important words that you need to remember in any situation that you face. Do not fear, only believe. At every situation you face, you can say those words from Jesus. I will not fear, I will believe. I will wrap up at the end with some application, but I do want to say to you right now, do not fear, only believe. In your personal circumstance, in your battle, whether it's sickness of body or mind, or if you are a caregiver helping someone else, and you're feeling frustrated, and you feel like you don't know what's next, do not fear. Only believe. So Jesus goes back on the road, bringing his trio along of Peter, James, and the brother... Peter, Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they arrive at the house, a great commotion is breaking out. It's carrying, there's crying, crying and wailing, but Jesus tells the crowd that the girl is only sleeping. See, his ways are a mystery. His ways are not our ways. He sees things different than we see things. And the common reaction to the people outside who were hired, because they were hired to cry, just laughed at Jesus. But Jesus puts them all outside. Taking his mother and father and taking them by the hand, he tells the little girl, Talitha Kumi, which means get up and rise. And she got up and she began to walk around. And she, Jesus told the parents to give her something to eat. The great I am is greater than anything in the natural that has been created. He is greater than demonic influences. He is greater than disease and sickness. Mark wants us to know how powerful Jesus is. This Sunday, when we leave, we should know that Jesus is greater than everything. Jesus is greater than the things we face. He is our anchor. He is keeping us in place, in his grace, by his grace. Though the burden is heavy, please know today that Jesus is fighting for you. He knows what you can carry and what you can't. He doesn't promise that life will be easy, but actually warns us that in this world we will have trouble. But we should take heart because he has overcome the world. That we can trust even though it is hard, it is for a reason. It may be for only a season. It may be for 12 years. But we should not fear. We should believe. I met this author, and he wrote this book called Suffering. His name is Paul David Tripp. He's a pastor. I highly recommend this book. It talks about when your life gets flipped up upside down, and everything you believe and everything you preach about and everything that, uh, that you tell other people, it comes knocking on your door, and it asks you the personal question, do you really believe this? And it takes you on a faith journey of trusting in the Lord. And in that book, one of the quotes is, God knows that we are incapable of carrying the burden of sovereign knowledge that he carries. So he highly protects us. He lovingly protects us by telling us what we need to know. The Christian, the called out one, we are to rest in him and live as he has ordained. While he protects us from what would overwhelm us. The Lord our God is protecting. He is caring. He knows what you can handle and what you can't. He does sometimes give us things that we can't handle. People say that. God will give us never something. God will give us things that we God would never give us things that we can't handle. Yes, he does. There's a lot of things in my life I can't handle. I need Jesus to handle those. There are just some things in our lives that we can't we can't figure out. We need Jesus. We need the great I am. We need the author and perfecter of our faith to help us. That means that we need to get boldly before the throne and ask God for help. See, God's ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But we can trust Jesus. We can trust that God is for us and not against us. That his main concern for us is our spiritual walk, our spiritual life, our spiritual cure. 
See, Jesus has won the victory over sickness and over death. And one day this earth will roll up like a scroll and God will bring a new heaven and a new earth. And in this new heaven and in this new earth, there will be no more tear. There will be no more crying. There will be no more fear. There will be no more doctor's appointments. There will be no more dangling your feet off the weird bed. Hallelujah. Thank you. We will not have to watch our loved ones in pain or experience it ourselves or experience the effects of sin on our earthly tents, these bodies that begin to break down. See, this is a promise. It is a hope-filled promise that, in our fut- that is waiting for us in our future. But what about the waiting right now? I get that. I get that from you. Pastor, what about right now? What about right now in this moment where I'm ready to just give it all up? What do I do? Well, let me tell you as we close. Here's my application from the text. And I mixed a few of my own things in. So that's just personal. We're going we're gonna to focus on the Bible. The first thing that you need to do, if you're in this season, if there is any, any doubt in your life, any fear. If you're in a battle, my first thing you need to do is you need to trust Jesus. You need to trust him. See, in a world affected by sin, we will be tempted to doubt the power of Jesus. See, this story is included so that we will not doubt the power of Jesus. That he is greater than those things that those people were facing. He is greater than the things that we face. Though time has changed, God remains the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mark wants us to remember that Jesus is greater. He is greater than sickness. He is greater than new technology. He is greater than new medical trials. That we need to trust Jesus for salvation. And a lot of us in here have done that. We say, do you know the gospel? Do you know that Jesus came? He died. He rose again. He has offered you grace to to be entered into his family through salvation. You've been saved by grace. We talk about that a lot here. And we're like, we will will proclaim, like Superman, like rip our chest out. I'm saved. Mark wants us, though, to really catch that we need to trust Jesus for salvation, but also our daily walk. Every day. Every day. In this season, we get up. Before our feet hit the ground, we're talking to the Father and saying, I'm trusting in you today. This could be a good day. This could be a bad day. I could get good news today. I could get bad news today. Whatever the result, I will not fear. I will believe in you. If you're not trusting in Jesus today, you're in trouble. I'm just plainly going to say it like that. Because you will run to everything and try to apply it to your situation, and you'll end up broken. But Jesus says, come. Come and I'll meet with you. Let's go for a walk. I'll go to your house. I'll go meet your daughter. you got to trust in Jesus. As we look at the scriptures and we think of application, I would say that you need to open up your life to Jesus. That's a little bit different than trusting Jesus. Because a lot of us will say we trust Jesus and we believe in Jesus, but sometimes we don't open up our lives to Jesus. So I would say that in our coming, in our going, in our daily grind, we need to be honest about our situation to God in prayer. I want you to know that he can take it. Ask God hard questions. Confess to him in your, that you're having moments of doubt or that you're afraid. I'll tell you, through this last season of life, I've grown so much in Christ It's not because I was studying systematic theology. It was because I was debating God. I was wrestling with him. God, help me to understand this. Help me to understand this application. God, I'm so frustrated with this. Will you please? And while I'm thinking he's silent, he's ministering through people and through his word and and through worship. He is just pouring things onto me. But in my sin, I missed it. Because I was too focused on my situation and I didn't have my eyes on the author and perfecter of my faith. 
So you need to open up your life to Jesus. You, you need to be honest, and you need to, be, have, you need to have open hands for the season that he has you in because it could be a rough one. The third thing I would, I would ask you to do or I would suggest or I would say the word of God says is you need to pursue Jesus. You need to go after him. You need to get on your knees and pray. You need to get your Bible open. You need to, you need to read. You need to position yourself where God will work on your life. That means that you might have to get out of the situation that you're in listening to like Job's friends in their first years of Bible college like, check the sin in your life. You're a sinner. You may need to get out of that and get into a position where you're being ministered. You may need to get into a DC group this fall where people can surround you and love on you and walk with you through the season. You need to remove the temptation to doubt Jesus. This one is really critical to our faith. We have to make an inventory of the things that are drawing attention, drawing our attention, drawing us away. Stop making, we need to remove the temptation about doubting Jesus. We got to stop making everything that, that will ease our pain a God. Sometimes we will find these solutions or these ways and we make, that's our God. It worked for me. God works for you. You work with God. Sometimes we make all of these little things into these mini gods. We got to stop putting all of our faith in the things that are created. And when we do that, we miss out on the creator and what he has in store. So remove the temptation to doubt Jesus. You need to approach Jesus with faith. Active faith. I love that the Bible records that she thought over and over. like She had it in her heart. If I can just get to Jesus. Beloved, you can come to Jesus today. There is no barrier anymore. The cross is ready for you. Like the woman, she believed Jesus could do it. Her faith was in Jesus. I'd ask, do you believe Jesus can do it? Do you believe that Jesus is greater than your situation? Two more. You need to worry more about what God thinks rather than what man thinks. Jairus got on his face in the dirt in the community with his leaders watching, and he begged Jesus to help. That woman tries to sneak in a healing See, sometimes our pride often gets in the way of us truly seeking God with fullness of heart. We care more about what people think and say rather than what God will do, what God thinks, what God says. This is sin, and we need to cut this off. We need to have our eyes really, truly focused on God. And my closing application is this. You need to understand that ultimate healing is found in Jesus. If you have salvation in Christ, you will be healed, even though we die. Jesus never promises that you will receive earthly healing. And Pastor Rick has taught us very well that this is a breakthrough of the promise that is to come. See, not everyone will be healed, but everyone in Christ will have healing. We need to trust Jesus in the midst of the pain and the hurt and the confusion. He is greater. So as I close, I speak to you, the ones with heavy hearts and the caregivers who can continually plead for grace and relief. I pray for and I speak to the moms and dads who would trade places with their babies in a heartbeat and for the kids who are here who would do anything to help their mom and dad feel better. Please listen. Jesus and only Jesus is enough. If you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. And, to the, and this morning as I pray, if you have any prayer concern in your heart, if you're praying or interceding for someone who is battling, if you're going through it yourself, I would just ask that you would just slip up your hand right now and I'll include you in my prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's pray together. Father, we just come to you now and that we, and I would ask that you would just come and have your way. And God, I pray that you would 
draw close to those ones who are praying and crying out or asking you for, for something at this moment. See, you're a great God and a good God, and you know how to give good gifts to your children. And God, there are many things that get in our way, many roadblocks, many distractions. But God, I pray that you would remove those here today. God, I pray that you would give strength to those who are feeling weak. God, I pray that you would help the hearts that feel like they're wandering from you. God, I pray that you would pull people back, that you would have that intimate conversation with them, speaking to them, saying, daughter, son. God, I pray that we would know and understand that there is a great God who is greater than all things. And sometimes we let emotion and we let news get in the way of the big things that you can do. So we step away from the holiness instead of stepping forward or stepping closer to it. So God, I pray that you would do your work here today. God, I'm so thankful for the book of Mark. I'm so thankful for Pastor Rick for choosing it so that we could walk through it and learn that we need to have faith and we need to trust in you and that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And God, you have made a way for us to come to you. I pray we would do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning in the baptismal take, both of our candidates said Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And most of the times we will stop there. But the verse continues to say, then you will call on me and you will come and you will pray to me and I will listen to you. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you. I will bring you back from captivity. He says, I will bring you back from the, nat uh, from the nations I scattered you to. In the darkest moments, in the chaos, in the anxiety of life, in the temptation to give up, we need to remember that God is there. In the waiting room, the exam room, the hospital room, or the sanctuary, God is there and he hears us. And he wants to hear from us. So I leave you with this. Run. Run to Jesus and behold the wondrous mystery of his grace. Please come to the front if you need prayer. Have a blessed day. We love you.